At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the SI Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trainer. Thanks for listening. We have a uh, huge episode this week. We're going to try to do this as quickly as possible. Three guests, which is rare. Roman Reigns from the WWE will be on the show because the Royal Rumble is on Saturday. So you wrestling fans out there get a nice conversation with Roman. Jim Nance is coming back for the second week in a row. First time ever we've had a guest two weeks in a row. But after the Bills Chiefs game that he called, I, I thought it'd be great to get him on to talk about that. And then Joe Buck who will be calling the NFC title game Rams Niners and uh, obviously called the Packers loss, stunning loss there with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay is on the show as well. So we got three guests. We're going to get right into it. And then, of course, we have train of thoughts with Sal Akata following all that. We still did a train of thought segment quickly in the archives. Check them out. Old interviews. Go through them. Subscribe, rate and review. All right. Let's kick things off right now with Roman Reigns, followed by. Joe Buck, followed by Jim Nance right here on the SI Media Podcast. All right, joining me now, I think I think I can call him an SI Media Podcast regular. He's been on many times. Always fantastic to have a conversation with the WWE's Roman Reigns. Roman, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me again. My pleasure. Always fun talking to you. I am acknowledging you. Has to be done. So... Ready to go, Royal Rumble on Saturday. Good to get that out of the way. Now we now yeah. we can uh, continue. We got Royal Rumble uh, for everyone listening who's a WWE fan. Remember, it's Saturday, not Sunday. I like the Saturday over Sunday thing, especially this weekend because you have football on Sunday. And uh, it's from St. Louis WWE Network on Peacock. So everyone check that out. Roman against Seth Rollins, which we will get into. I mentioned. Uh, Royal Rumble Saturday, NFL on Sunday. So I got to ask because I know you're a Niners fan. Will yeah. you be able to get you know watch the game? I don't know if you have to travel or anything on Sunday, but you be will you be in front of the TV, locked in, ready to watch? Uh, I'll be in this room right here. Hopefully, uh, yeah. I, as soon as the Rumble's done, as as soon as I'm done doing whatever I'm doing, uh, I'll jump on a flight and get back home. 
So yeah, it's it's nice. Saturday Saturday seems to work out. I, I think for everybody, it seems to work out for our business model. Uh, the fans seem to like it because uh, you know you don't have to wake up early for work. You have a full Sunday to recover. Whether how, however you like to enjoy the uh, Rumble, um, and then for us performers, I think you know especially in a situation where we don't have a Sunday live event um, to follow up, and we kind of get to you know that that chance, especially for the SmackDown folks, um, to be able to go home. That that means a lot. How do you feel about the Niners matchup Sunday against the Rams? It's going to be tough. Um, and, you know, I, I'm one of the, like, I'm one of the worst casual hardcore fans of all time. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a hardcore fan because of just the history I have and my family, you know, and, and kind of the, the generations of our family loving the 49ers. Um, but as far as keeping up with, I'd be the worst fantasy, like football GM of all time because I just don't, know specifically all the details are going on i love to watch football i understand the game um and i just always love the 49ers um so i i don't know i feel like we've got at least one of them one of the wins on them because i feel like we played them a couple times during the season and i feel like we may have gotten one um and then i also think that we've had uh some decent success against them but anytime you can play defense I, I mean you stop the run limit turnovers, win special teams, win the third down battle, uh, and usually you'll come out with a victory. Were you, were you able to watch the win against the Packers? Oh, yeah. Did oh, you yeah. think Robbie Gould was going to make that field goal there at the end? That was a tough one with the weather. Good as gold, man. That's what they say, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's been clutch for, for a long time, too. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, don't quote me on this, but I, I believe he's been around for a long time and been, yeah. been a very uh, trustworthy kicker, so... Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, those moments uh, are bigger than he is. He understands them, and, and he uh, seems to uh, rise to the occasion uh, last more, more times than not. Last one on this. If the Niners do beat the Rams, will you try to get to SoFi for for the Super Bowl two weeks from Sunday? I don't know, man. I, I still don't like being uh, in, in mass, you know, gatherings. You know, it's one thing. Right. When it's a uh, when when it's you know my obligation as a performer in my job and then you know being a provider, uh, if there was some kind of anybody listening out there, if there's some kind of really nice special box you know for us faithful, um, you know who who uh, want to stay safe at the same time, but if not, I mean it, it'll be awesome. We went to the Miami one uh, a couple years ago, and, and that didn't work out too good, uh, but it was still a great experience. But for me, I think uh, just to kind of try to stay in this little somewhat of a bubble that we that we've created, uh, and, and do the best that we can with that to you know continue to meet all our obligations and 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 make every week of work that we can. Uh, I don't think it'd be the smartest thing to do. Something tells me if you wanted a box, that you'd get a box. I mean, you're Roman Reigns for God's sake. We can figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I if I uh, really. Uh, tried to apply the pressure and, and, and use some of the resources. I don't think it would be a problem. You meant, you mentioned about, you know, maybe a little trepidation being with big crowds. You, you recently had COVID and, you know, in the wrestling world, everyone knows you've had battles with leukemia in the past. So, uh, you know, I know a lot of fans, when I heard it, I, I was, you know, taken aback. How, how did that battle with COVID go for you? Cause it, it's all over the place. People say they were sick for two days, sick for a week. So what was your experience like? So for me, um, you know, and com- obviously in comparison to, you know, some of the worst scenarios that, that are out there and that we've seen through this process of the pandemic, um, it wasn't bad um, in yeah. comparison. For me, it was ma- mainly, uh, you know, 
like a like a pretty good sinus infection like the bronchitis cough a lot of uh uh chest tightness i still feel that actually you know when i'm doing my conditioning you know because we don't wrestle quite as much and we're doing a lot of six men so for me to you know I, i don't have singles matches as much as i used to um so i have to continue to like you know really push the conditioning on my own and and I've noticed uh, in the past couple of weeks that when I really blow myself up on the bike or running or whatever I'm doing, uh, I, I can feel that tightness and a little bit of wheezing. So, I mean, it's definitely something serious. You know, someone who's vaccinated and boosted, it still got to me and I, I still felt the effects. And as they weren't, you know, as severe as they can be for some, it did hang around and linger for a while. I mean, it, yeah. it took me, obviously I missed, uh, um, day one. And I, I tested positive a week before that. Uh, and I just, it took me where it was like, we were just chasing that negative test. Uh, and then finally, you know, the, a few days before SmackDown the following week, um, I finally got that negative test and and the wife let me back in. So it it was a good, good week that week. So just to be clear, so you're doing a lot of six mans and not doing as much singles because you're trying to sort of preserve the energy because you're still feeling some effects. Is that, is that what you're saying? Uh, well, no, we've been running the six man tags for since we've uh, really come back uh, to to the live events uh, and okay. the live touring. Um, and I think, you know, it just it helps preserve everybody. And we have such a strong group in the bloodline, me and my cousins. Uh, and it's such a blessing to be able to. I mean, you know, anyone who and I say this kind of hesitantly anyone that gets to work with their family um and they which this isn't really work it's you know entertainment it's fun it's we enjoy it there there's a few battles that you go through weekly for you know your creative uh positioning but in the end of the day it's a very blessed life so for us to be able to do this together um continue to kind of travel a little bit domestically um and take uh you know taking these moments together uh as a family as you know and best friends at that you know we we um you know we're cousins we're second cousins by blood but i feel like they're my brothers they, they've been there since we were three or four years old um you know i'm only a few months older than them so there there's so many different connection points and, and bonds that we have that i can't even you know articulate just so you know, not all of us would want to work with our families. I just got. Hey, yo, I, when I, as I was saying that, I was like, ah, I don't know if everyone's going to receive this <laughs> the right way, but <laughs> it's it's a little different, you know. But the funny thing is, before we even started wrestling, we we were working for my sister installing uh, office furniture, like cubicles and 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 you know desk. I mean, uh, office furniture, uh, different you know office furnitures and stuff like that, and. We had a great time, man. Like you put us three together, we can do anything and, and, and make it a good time and, and, and entertaining and, and, and that in its own right. So um, that, that's we maybe a little loud for the corporate world and being in, you know, headquarters and, and different, you know, cubicle spaces. We have to get uh, reprimanded every once in a while. Roman uh, Reigns and, and the uh, Roman Reigns and the Usos putting together office furniture is quite a visual. Just building I mean, it, building it out, man, and, yeah. and that's not that's the easy part. Well, offloading and loading those trucks was the hard part. Yeah. Unboxing all that crap, and then like cardboard was like the bane of my existence back in the day. So yeah. <laughs> this is going to sound like a stupid question, but I'm going somewhere with it since you're talking about the Usos and your family. Obviously, your whole family's been in the wrestling business for so long. Everyone knows that. And I'm just curious with the Rumble on Saturday, which you'll be in the main event with Seth Rollins. 
obviously you paid attention to wrestling as a kid. Your family was in it. It was in your blood. It was what you, but did you always like, I'm talking about as a teenager, watch it every week, follow the storylines, watch all the pay-per-views or was it just, you were focused on like your family side of it or did you follow everything? It was a little bit of both. I think as I was younger, I was into a little bit of everybody and everything. You know, I had my favorites outside of my family. And then as I got a little bit older, really, once football was introduced, um, I I stayed a big fan just for the product in general and and pro pro wrestling in general. Um, All the way up until probably late middle school, going into high school, you know, I was very into the Attitude Era and then like the beginning of it. And then once it really started to turn more, you know, not so much of just the, the, you know, the aggressive side of it and the, the actual physicality of it. But when it became, when, when the females were kind of transitioning into what it was back then, my mom didn't like it. So she, she was like, I, maybe not this week. Uh, so she wasn't into it as much then. And, and then I started to really get into football um, in my high school years, but I always wanted to support my family. So, it, it, you know, I would know of like kind of the top guys and who was like the big names and the draws at that point, but I would always still want to follow my family and, and support them. And, you know, and that, th- those make for really good gatherings when we're watching a pay-per-view together. And, and, you know, the, those, I had those barbecues, those days alone are, are a great time. And there's so many stories I could tell about them, but to be able to come together and, and watch, you know, our fam one of our family members, uh, be a part of this massive production and a pay-per-view like that was uh, it was always special. Yeah, I, the reason I, I was just curious if you had a favorite, you know, not involving yourself, not over, let's say the last, you know, since you've been what you've become the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years, if you have a favorite Royal Rumble memory, whether it's something funny or, a, a, you know, a moment or something, I mean, um, I know for me, I'll just throw one out there. I mean, there's this famous clip. I don't, I don't know how familiar with, uh, Bushwhacker Luke. I don't know if you've ever seen it where he comes to the ring in one motion, gets thrown out in one motion and walks back in one motion. It's, and it's and, he, and he's, he's hitting the whole, well, yeah, I, I know exactly. That's yeah. funny. Yeah. That's, that's funny to say that because I feel like I watched, this had to be like in the, the late eighties, maybe early, early nineties, like 89 or something like that. And, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was watching, I want to say it was 88 or 89 and, and just watching all the different characters and, and just all the different signature, you know, trademarks and characteristics that they had. That's a perfect example of, you know, the guy being in full gimmick, doing his walk and then eliminated and then just hitting the walk back. It was hilarious. But there were, there was a time, you know, and I, I don't know exactly what year it was, whether it was 88, 89 or 90 all these characters had something and this was like back in the you know like ricky the dragon steam they all had animals and you know like a thing, yeah yeah take the snake um and but like the crowd interaction was crazy i, I think hacksaw came out and he did the oh like i i think I, I went back to start counting it and within like the first three minutes he hit it 40 times i mean and the crowd was there for every single one of them so it was just neat to see uh, would that hold up in today, you know, in, in modern day? I don't know. But uh, yeah. the, the the characters and, and all the just the, uh, you know, the signature uh, connections they had with the crowd was, was pretty neat. Now, at the Rumble on Saturday, WWE Network on Peacock, you have a match with Seth Rollins, who obviously you have this long history with and um, you've been close to. 
when you have a match with him and, and you do, and it's a big match, the Royal Rumble is one of the signature WWE pay-per-views. Is it easier because you're working with a friend like that? Or are there other challenges involved because he is a friend? And, you know, how does that work out if it's someone you're tight with as opposed to someone you maybe not as be as tight with in the company? I, I think it can go both ways, you know. Um, we're in mania season, so th- this is when you got to really tighten it down. And, and this is when, you know, that positioning becomes very important. And, and you know, the jockeying for, you know, that political power and, and then, you know, also just keeping yourself in the best light um, and, and representing your individual product and brand of, of what you've been building um, really is important. Uh, to have that chemistry, obviously, and that history to, to kind of fall back on that, that's that's always a plus. But at the same time, you know, for me, it, it's kind of strange, you know, because he was just thrown into this position, whether he deserves it or not. I mean, I guess that's for the fans uh, to decide. You ask me, I don't think so. You know, I, I, I think, um, you know, he should have stayed on Raw and continued to pursue that WWE championship. But for me, if he was a good friend, he would have been like, ah, maybe I won't say I appreciate the offer, Adam Pierce, but you're an idiot. And thank you, because um, at at the end of the day, I'm who I am and I'm doing what I'm doing. And he is who he is and he's doing what he's doing. And we can let the people measure it up or we can just go straight to the facts. You know what I mean? I, I'm on a different level than all these guys. Uh, so does he belong in the ring with me? I think I think so. I think he's the top tier performer in ring. Uh, I, you can put Seth Rollins in the conversation with anyone. But when it comes to the 360, the total package of what we're doing, it's not even his fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're all there. It's like they're playing Atari and I'm over here on a PS five. I'm just levels ahead of everybody. We're, we're thinking of things way before them. So if he was smart, he'd just apologize for accepting this match. Uh, you know what I mean? Kiss the he- ring, acknowledge me, bow down and, and go back to Monday. You know what I mean? I love it. That's a good sell. That's a good sell. Right. Let me ask you this about, could you, you're what you guys are. And I hate when people don't get this who aren't, part of the wrestling world and follow it. You're performers, you're actors, you're entertainers, and then you have this unbelievable physical ability. But could you do Seth's gimmick in terms of like, like, would you come out with the drip and wearing those suits if that was something they wanted you to do? Or do you have to feel the gimmick and, and sort of, you know, what he's done with those suits and the way he comes out, it's become such a major thing. Can you do that? Or would that not fit your personality? Jimmy. Jim, come on. You never seen me on a red carpet. You never seen me, you know, even even in media. You've, you know, listen, like, you've never you know, won anything I, on a I red carpet. This drip thing before drip was drip. You know, and these these young kids and would think they're starting something new. We can go in the closet right now. And it's like Goodfellas. We're just fingering through all these suits. Is there money stashing? There? There's probably a little bit of money stashing there, but. Uh, I, I could absolutely do anything I wanted to do as long as I put my mind to it. Uh, and, you know, obviously you have to connect to it. Um, I wouldn't go as outlanded. I mean, my suits are something you can wear every single day and it'd still be like, oh, damn, that guy, you see what it, man, you know what I mean? Every time I wear a suit, Paul Heyman's jaw just drops because he's a suit guy and he already knows what it is, you know, so uh, are they as crazy and flamboyant? No, but 
just sharp. You know, tribal yeah. chief is just you know like the 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 needle, the top the top you know the top level is the tribal chief. Is is there a brand of suit that you prefer? Like, what's the go to? Armani or something like that? Uh, custom. Custom. From straight from Italy. So that yeah. was a stupid question. Yeah. 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 yeah it's got to be custom. Now, I will say this in terms of your drip. It's one of the huge things now with you is uh, the sneakers. The sneakers, oh, everyone wants to see what you come out with every Friday night. I ju- many- literally just opened up. They just sent like six more pair. Just opened up. All, it's like mania season's ready to go. Do you know how many sneakers are in the Roman Reigns are in Roman Reigns' closet right now? How many pairs? I should. Say? I mean, just on the shelves alone, probably about seventy-five pairs or so. And between, right, you know, good. I was expecting more. While they're and still boxed and untouched, there's another probably thirty pair that haven't even like right. been laced up or worn. There's not a crease on them. I could literally just put them back and, and sell them third party. Do you have a favorite pair? I think the ones, you know, the Jordan ones are uh, are up there. They're they're probably number one. I like the Jordan fours as far as the the aesthetics of them. But all the way around, I mean, so I, I wore. I went to the zoo with the family twice this year, and the first time I wore the ones, and my my sons, they have the same. You know, they have them too, so we all kind of match with, with those guys. Uh, and they were comfortable. I, I mean, we we walked, you know, you walk through a zoo and you're walking miles and I did not have any aches in the world. It was good to go. Uh, I wore the 11s on this last trip a couple weeks ago and I did good for a while. But like towards that last couple hours, we were all kind of aching. Um, so I would say the ones they, they're they're And it's funny because Jordan, I think he, he didn't agree because I think when he wore them, like, you know, he wore a throwback uh, pair. He was like, man, how did I how did I? like play at a high level in these but for me the ones are it you know it's funny when you when you just said that you took the family to the zoo right away in my brain i i listened to this radio sports talk radio host chris russo who's on sirius xm and he was a host in new york forever and a couple remember there was a few years ago there was this big controversy at a cincinnati zoo where a kid got in the in the gate and they had to like shoot the gorilla so the gorilla wouldn't kill the kid and he was talking about it on his radio show and he was sort of defending the family of the kid. And he said, the last he goes, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. The last thing any parent in the world wants on a hot summer day is to be at a zoo with your kids. And when you said you took your kids to the zoo, I'm thinking you have, which I've, I've mentioned before, two sets of twins and another child. I think you have five total. Yeah. Five kids at the zoo. Was that a rough day or do you and your wife like have it down pat where you could do it and everything is smooth? Or by the end of the day, did that feel worse than being in a, in a, in a WWE match? Well, we did it. Uh, so it wasn't bad, but we, uh, we, we did it like a village. We, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, okay. was there. Smart, my sister-in-law smart. Who, who works for me and helps us out uh, in that capacity was there. So, but what we did is just, we kept the babies in the, the twin stroller for the majority we gave them about an hour and a half walking around and that's when it was like oh god come on like let's go they get distracted and they start doing their little drunk baby walk everywhere it's it's (laughs) cute but at the same time it's like all right let's let's push through this my big boys are good they they're they're troopers and and they listen now so for the most part yeah Uh, so it wasn't bad but yeah if it was just me and the wife it it probably would have been rough yeah um i want to get back i 
to the Rollins thing. We got just because one of the big things when he did the, you guys had a good back and forth on SmackDown and he brought up John Moxley's name and in the wrestling world, that's like, you know, who, you know, whenever, you know, AW, I guess a couple of months ago mentioned some WWE guys, the Miz and John Cena. And now he mentioned Moxley and everyone online freaks out because that's what we do online. Did you know that line was coming? And did you uh, appreciate that line? I, I mean, you know, I, I never shy away from our history. Those, those two are my brothers, Mox, uh, Seth. There, I mean, we we've done, achieved, gone through the the highs and lows, the ebbs and flows of it all. Um, so that that'll never change anything. I always have a deep love and respect for both of those guys. Um, and Mox was actually, I mean, he'll probably tell you too. Me and him were like super tight, you know, within the Shield and maybe even a little bit closer. They they may have been like super bonded through wrestling and and what they had done in FCW and, and prior to WWE. But when it comes to just like whether we were wrestlers or not, me and Mox, me and we're friends, you know what I mean? Like we're the type that just can hang out and have a beer. Well, I guess not anymore, but yeah, um, you know, it's funny because maybe I, a couple, you know, I, um, if you don't want to get into this, I, I you don't have to, I, but it just came in my head when you, you mentioned that you're so close to him. I saw something and I think it, you know, uh, you, you, it's when you take stuff off social media, it's, it's never good, but I saw, I guess, um, Bubba Ray Dudley had said that John Moxley owes the fans an apology because he went to rehab, which to me was one of the most confusing and mind boggling things I've ever heard in my life. Um, did you see all that? And what, I mean, what, why would someone have that take? Do you think? I didn't actually see like the take from uh, Bubba, but I've seen some of the responses to it. And I look at it kind of in both, you know, perspectives. I understand what Bubba's saying only because I've been in these systems and worked for, you know, a, a billion dollar promotion and, and entertainment company being WWE. And Bubba has two. And these are some of the mindsets of uh, kind of the direction that you can handle some of these situations. Because at the end of the day, we are performers, we're entertainers, and we want to be there for our fan base. I mean, we continued through a pandemic, you know what I mean? So that, I mean, obviously it's a business and, you know, uh, we're all trying to make a living. But that that's what makes our product special Um for pretty much any promotion is there's no season to it you know so we try to give our fan base as much as we can so i can see what where he's coming from but i think in this day and age um so where like there's not too much kayfabe i might be one of the most kayfabe performers you know out there now um there there's so many you know cracks to see through the blinds to speak into the backstage now and there's so many you know people getting rumors and info and and breaking this news and stuff like that uh but i think in this day and age especially with you know how much awareness there is for mental health and taking care of yourself and prioritizing you Uh, I I don't think he owes anyone an apology. I think the fact that he was responsible enough um, to do what needed to be done and then also not shy away from it to to help other people. Because, you know, you rarely talk about those people that are just 100% inspired and motivated by what Mox did and having that, you know, brutal honesty with himself and 
everyone else for that matter. I, I, I don't think he owes anyone an apology. I, I see where Bubba could be coming from and a very um, corporate mindset uh, of, you know, prioritizing our fans. But at the end of the day, man, we do so much for these fans. You know, I, 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 we don't deliver the mail. You know what I mean? It, it don't right. feel good to do what we do. And obviously it's a choice, um, but it, it's not like they're just giving their money to us and we're not doing anything that there, this is a service and, and we're performing that service. I think the extra stuff can be uh, a little bit of entitlement from time to time. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, he's taking care of himself and his family and no one should yeah. ever have to apologize for that. Um, last thing on you here. So you have been, you were last pinned in a ring on December 15th, 2019. You're on day 500 and, I don't know the exact 11, 12, 13 as the WWE universal champion. Great run. And uh, you've mentioned a couple of times during this podcast about, you know, fighting for your spot and all that. I'm just curious if, if Vince comes to you, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, whatever it is, and says, you know, we want you to drop the belt. Do you fight that? And how hard do you fight that? That's, uh, that's such a, uh, it, I'd have to be in it to, re- you know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's hard to just speculate on that. I'd have to be in that situation um, to truly know where I was. I'd have to be able to see all the different variables and, and uh, you know, the, uh, be able to see the, the event of that chain reaction and how it would affect everything. So, it, I mean, that that's such a tricky question that I, I wouldn't even know how to like, honestly explain what my mindset would be. But if you did want to, fight it or discuss it vince is open to listening i'm the man yeah he he, he better listen <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> he, he better acknowledge me you know like there's who else is there right like that's well we will all be acknowledging roman on saturday at the dome at america center in st louis for the royal rumble streaming of course on the peacock slash wwe network again seth rollins and um I hope you keep the belt. I don't want you dropping the belt to Brock Lesnar. So tell Vince that and uh, keep it going. And I appreciate you coming on and uh, giving us some time here and be well, stay safe. Glad you're doing better. And hopefully that other uh, little uh, asthma wheezing stuff goes away for you. I appreciate it, Jimmy. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, And always being kind. Be safe out there, brother. You too. Take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. 
When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, joining me now, he's got the NFC title game Sunday on Fox with the Niners and Rams, and he had the Niners and Packers stunner, so we have to get into all that. He is Joe Buck. Joe, how are you? Jimmy, I'm good. And you? I'm well. I'm well. It was a great weekend, so hard not to be hard not to be good right now if you're a football fan. That was a fun, fun two days. And, and for, for me personally, not that you're asking, but Doing that game Saturday night, getting home, and then spending Sunday with uh, my wife and my two sons and watching those two games was a blast. So it's kind of fun doing the – when you have the Sunday game and the Saturday games happen, usually you're still cramming and getting ready and doing stuff for your game. But in this case, when it's reversed, you can just kind of relax and watch the games and and enjoy it, which, man, you, you don't have to be a football fan to love what happened this last weekend. Right. And major rate, you know, I mean, CBS got 42 million for Bill's Chiefs. You guys got for your game 37 million, which on a Saturday night is is really huge because Saturday is usually a rough night for television ratings. Yeah. And when they're starting to compare it to Olympic broadcasts from the 90s, you know <laughs> that uh, there are a lot of people yeah. watching. So, I mean, the. The interest has never been more, uh, I don't think, uh, intense. I don't think the job has ever been more intense. And, uh, you know, I've got one more game and then I can turn my brain off. What do you mean um, by the job has never been more intense? I just think when you do a game for uh, however many millions of people uh, in today's world with social media, you realize that if you step outside of the midline and you and I've talked about it before, but if you step outside the midline or you make a mistake, I mean, mistakes happen. It's live TV, but when it does, it's like, Oh my God, I called, you know, Travis Kelsey, Jason Kelsey. And now I'm the idiot uh, that I'm going to get stuff hurled at me in the town square. (laughs) And when you do a game like that, uh, well, let me rephrase. You should never do a game like that. You should just let it hang out and, and just go but uh it's becoming harder and harder to do that yeah and well and now you know this is different than a sunday at 425 only in that it's a standalone game so everyone's watching so the critiques are going to be way more yeah i mean legitimately everything that comes out of your mouth somebody can say you're the stupidest person ever because you know yeah it looks like it's first and and 10 but uh you know it's really you just can't get into all that. And and so what I tell young people getting involved in broadcasting, 
which is turn off your social media, find two or three people that you know uh, have your best interest at heart and can be real critics and can give you good advice. Listen to those people, turn the other stuff off. I have to do that too. Otherwise you just get buried in that stuff and, and it just becomes deflating. I will say, and I think we have talked about this before, but I, I, well, first of all, on Saturday night, I did not see much backlash at all of your broadcast. And usually, you know, like you said, people pick on everything. I didn't see anything really that stood out on Saturday. And there has been, I mean, each big game you do, there is more and more of a wave of like the narrative now on Twitter is more like, if you don't think Joe Buck is great, you're the asshole. So that's a good turnaround. Yeah. That, and those are the <laughs> tweets that I send out. Yeah, exactly. I send those yeah. out too. So I, I thought your call of the block punt was phenomenal. Um, yeah, those are, those are hard ones to do because you, you almost get into a radio mode because, because there's just a pregnant pause of, you know, especially in that one, everybody's looking around and nobody can find the ball. And then amazingly, Hufanga, who ended up getting the touchdown, said he didn't know where it was until he heard it, which tells you in a stadium like that, with that kind of noise, how hard that ball must be and how hard that field must have been that him hearing it told him where the ball was. And then he picks it up and goes in for a touchdown. But when everybody's kind of standing around and spinning and looking up, it's, it's weird uh, on you know, my side of the equation trying to come up with the right words to describe what's happening because really nothing's happening until that ball comes down and somebody on, on one of the two teams picks it up. Tell me, I, I'm curious. I want to know from you, what was that stadium like? after Robbie Gould drilled the field goal. I mean, was it shock more than anything? Were people angry? Because, you know, Rodgers in his postgame conference was completely shell-shocked. I want to know what Lambeau was like in those couple of minutes as soon as that field goal went through. It was so loud, and it, it, it was so loud up until that punt got blocked. And then it became, it became, I think, stress, and everybody was like, this is not – looking good here and 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 I would submit that for the majority of that game the Green Bay Packers had the upper hand now they weren't scoring they they scored in that initial drive they're moving it again the second time they have it my mentality is like oh my god we're gonna this is gonna be a blowout this isn't even gonna be close so where's this game gonna go then they get the forced fumble San Francisco takes over they still don't do anything offensively but they let them hang around long enough. And I think fans, you know, they're smart fans. They're, they're going, okay, we've let this team stay in this game. And now they get a block punt. The special team's been bad all year. I've done 100 Packer games this year. That's been the theme through just about every one of them. And it, it bit them in the worst time at the worst place on the field that led to a touchdown. And, and the, the place just went to stress. And when Gold hit that field goal, it was just eerily quiet. I think it was total shock by by those fans that you know, we're, we're sitting up in the booth and it's freezing. I think people are under the impression we're in a hermetically sealed booth and we're not. You have to open the windows. You have to be in it. It's freezing up there. But as we're freezing up there, we're looking down at snow falling on people and they're having a blast and they're and it, it just at one point, Troy and I are like, I, these people are unbelievable to be sitting down through this thing and 
and they went from just total ecstasy to just stunned. Yeah, I, you had a fox. Got, you guys got very lucky. You had a great visual there with the snow, Lambo, the grass, the old Packers, the uniform. It was yeah, the miners. You, you, that's visual. like a subtle thing, but I I think if I'm home in my living room or wherever your main TV is and it's freezing throughout most of the country. And I I'm in my warm house and I turn on my TV and I'm watching that there's, there's like a visual spectacle on top of, Hey, one of these two teams is going to the championship game. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. You brought it up. I think Um, it's, it's really, it's probably not smart to analyze a game and go back to the first quarter, but, you know, if Mercedes Lewis doesn't fumble and they go up 14 nothing there, it, it, it could get out of hand. It, it, it is, you know, you don't want to pinpoint a first quarter play because then, of course, they get the block punt, the block field goal. Um, I mean, block punt for the touchdown. And then that's, but that, that fumble was enormous. Enormous. Um, and, and there are games, it is interesting, though, because when you're in it, there are times where, the game you, you get so drilled down to the play by play that you almost don't ever pull your head up and go, wait, why, why is one team winning? And why is one team losing? How did we get here? You know, you're just going play by play by play. And then at some point, either it's in the car on the way home or the next day, when you're thinking about it, you go, man, if this just went the other way, or if that went the other way, a different team is moving on. Um, and, and so it's hard for me sometimes to have the perspective, the big picture stuff. I'm trying to get better at that. Um, but, but it becomes difficult when you're just doing, you're analyzing the hell out of every five yard carry. Right. And, and once those pile up, you know, the moments kind of run together. So you're right. It, it reminded me of the, the Seahawks Packers NFC championship game. It was like the, the Tampa Bay Rams game the other day. Tampa Bay was in the game because of this comedy of errors that if any one of those things doesn't happen, they don't have a chance really to come back and tie that game. It was like that game in Seattle where this happened and then they don't recover an onside kick. And then this crazy two point conversion, all this stuff adds up. And then one team's going on and one team's going home. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's hard to pick out those moments, but that was one moment where it's like, this game could get away fast. Yeah. Last thing on the Packers, then we'll go forward to, to Diners Rams. You, you know, you and Troy and your team get time with Aaron Rodgers before the game in a, in a production meeting. I don't know, he's still doing Zoom or in person. Um, but we're he, all con- you know, we're all conference call by now. Okay, when he, I mean, he was. I, I'm just going based on his post game press conference that night. He didn't. He sounded like he didn't think the Niners had. A one percent chance. He was one percent chance when that came. He was shocked beyond belief. What kind of vibe did you get from him uh, in your production meeting before that game? Good vibe, but but he's. I cannot. I mean, of all the people we talked to, and, and maybe this is just because we've done maybe a hundred of his games, but we've all become friends with him, and you know he's a very smart guy um he and i kind of now have that jeopardy host connection that we joke about from time to time but but he went into that game really excited and really confident 
Um, and, and if he wasn't, he's the kind of guy who would tell you, you know, he right. thought they had a great week of practice, which is a cliche, but, but it does apply. He thought Zadaria Smith was going to be a huge factor because of how he looked during practice. He liked the offensive line, the way it was constructed, uh, even without Bakhtiari. I, I think he believed they were going to come out on top and not have a difficult time getting the ball to Devonte Adams which they didn't have a difficult time early, but then it kind of dried up. So um, I, the, the sense I got was this was a confident guy who felt like uh, this was a game that they were going to win, and, and that probably leads to his post-game reactions, which everybody's looking at every twitch that these guys make now, like, oh, he's gone, and Tom Brady, he's going to retire. He, he mentioned his wife. He mentioned his kids. That's it. He's done, but nobody which knows he, until they get away been- from him. Which he's been doing for about six or seven years in a row, but yeah, you know, yeah. But I mean, for you, I mean, you, I would assume you have to think it's something like it would kind of suck next year if you lose both Rodgers and Brady. I mean, those are the games you pretty much do. You know, you're either in Dallas or you're calling their games. I mean, that's right. pretty much you know. I you know I I get accused of rooting for and against everybody. What right. I what I am rooting for in these situations is for those two guys to stay right where they are. I, I yeah. want to see Tom Brady come back. Football, the NFC, everything's better with him in the league. And I want to see Aaron Rodgers stay in Green Bay. But I think part of Aaron Rodgers, whose relationship, first of all, he loves Matt LaFleur. I I can tell you that because he's honest with us. We've known when he's been unhappy. He's very happy with Matt LaFleur. And I think his his relationship with the front office has improved. I I think a big factor in this is where's Devontae Adams? It's not just Aaron Rodgers. And if Devontae Adams is not there, that's a very different looking team, even with Aaron. So I think some other things have to have to happen. Uh, and Devontae is a free agent. So I, I think that's a, that's as big a factor in this as any. Yeah. Um, bef- before we get to Niners Rams, I, I, if I have a football person on, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't at least. Yeah, they should there. change the overtime rule. And what would you like it to be? I, I think both teams get a chance to to possess the ball. And and I understand the whole, you know, if a defensive team makes a stop or gets an interception or there's a fumble on the kickoff or whatever, great. That's your that's your possession. And now the other team gets a try at it. But I think anybody watching that game that was invested in it was like, I just want to see if Josh Allen can answer. I mean, that's that's just what felt like you wanted to see happen. So I think the the overtime rule in the regular season is fine, but in the postseason, I would make sure that both teams get one crack at it. All right, so you got Niners, Rams, six thirty Sunday on Fox. Now, help out just to you know, I'm a dumb New Yorker. I don't know what's going on out there, but and we're we're taping this Tuesday. We're early in the week, but so far the main storyline on this game is Niners fans buying all the tickets and invading SoFi. Um, is that going to ha- is it does it appear that that's going to happen? Well, I that that story is evolving here early in the week because the clips that I read up until this morning were that if you went online to buy tickets for that game and you checked out after buying your tickets and you had uh, a zip code that was Northern California, they would refund your money and you don't get your tickets. So. That got a lot of headlines. Now, today, I, I just, Troy sent me something that said uh, 
that that's not the case anymore. And the 49er fans are supposed to overwhelm SoFi Stadium even more than we, we were there. Week you 18. Was, yeah, you, I was going to say, you did that game. What, give me like, what did it you was think? unbelievable. Was it like 15, I've it... never, never, Jimmy, been in a, in a home stadium. And that stadium is, is a 100 out of 100. It's so right. good. But it, that day, you know, I talked to Kevin Demoff, who's a good friend, who's the, you know, the club president or whatever his exact title is. I don't know. But he's like, we're going to have our biggest crowd ever at the stadium. And halfway through, I'm like, I was thinking because half of San Francisco is sitting in here and it was a ton of red. If, if the home team of a team that good has to go to silent count at the end right. of the game, a something's up. And, so wait, would you say more than 50% Niners fans at that game? I would say I would say 50-50. Wow. Give or take. Yeah. Now maybe it's 55-45, but right, right. enough where it was like, whoa, what is going on? Like 49ers score a touchdown, place goes crazy. Right. I it, it was it was an it was an odd sensation at the home stadium of a team that good. I have to say, as a viewer, just as a viewer with no dog in the fight, I hope it's like that again. I think that'll add some intrigue on Sunday. I agree. I, I, as a broadcaster, anytime, you know, we've talked before, if I can use crowd noise, I'm going to use it and I'm not going to try and suppress it. I'm not going to try and fight it. I mean, I have to do my job and I have to get in there and get out. But if no matter what happens, there's a reaction in that stadium that makes it way more exciting for us. And I think makes it more exciting for the viewer at home. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I guess you can't admit this. I mean, you could have had Brady Rogers and instead you get this. Is it a, is it a letdown? I don't know if you want to answer that. No, I don't people, think it's a letdown. People will get Only pissed if you say it, you know, then I don't want to get the Niner and Rams fans pissed at you, but no, I, my answer to that is we had that last year. And, it, it, you know, we had that. It would have been the same situation, uh, except with more fans at Lambeau. Again, I mean, not, not having a rooting interest in any of this, it's almost like you can't lose. Um, because I thought Week 18, our Week 18 game, was one of the most exciting games we've done in a long time. And I think these two teams, because they know each other so well, will play each other really well. And I And I... You know, I, I think this is going to be an exciting game. Well, whoever it is, they point me toward it, and I, I get there and do the game. But I, no, I'm, I'm not let down by this at all. All right, well, that's good. Brady no. Rogers, though, you know, like you get that. That brings, I think, a little more of the country, the fringe fan. But there's no doubt, and and yeah. you've got two teams from the West Coast as opposed to you know a team from the Southeast against a team from the Upper Midwest right. or you know however you categorize Green Bay. But I I think personally, um, you know, I I used to fall into this trap. This is a baseball trap. This is, you know, who are we going to get in the World Series? Oh my God! And I. I it's like when I was 13 and I would get on the Cardinals charter and I'd see the Cardinals closer just gave up a 900 foot home run to end the game. And I'm crying because the Cardinals lost. They're having fun. And it's like the, the rooting part of me is almost entirely dead. The, the yeah. only team that I root for openly is the St. Louis blues. And beyond that, you know, I, I don't root for matchups because every time you think it's set up to just crush, 
you get bitten and and then you get surprised by some matchups. But this this wouldn't be a surprise. I we just yeah. did it three weeks ago and it was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I it's kind of, I guess a I don't know if double-edged sword is the right, you know. I, listen, Rogers and Brady, yeah, everything sort of is built in there. You don't even have to like prep for that, at least. But there is something to say for like new blood here. So I I, I could see it going both ways. Well, it's always different from what the network and and that's right. hard to put a face to once. The and network what, wants broad Rogers and Brady. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the guys doing the game are like, you know, when it was Yankees, 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 Yankees. <laughs> and and I loved every second of it. Uh, but every once in a while you throw another team in there, it's like, okay, we have new stories to tell. And that's right. that's kind of the fun part of the job. Maybe Jimmy G will bring in some fringe fans because, you know, he's very popular with with the ladies. So, oh, my God. I mean, my from my daughters to my wife to, you know, p- other people I work with, not naming so, names. It's like, oh, my God. He's- <laughs> OK, got it. Yeah. I'm not proud to admit this, but I have a little bit of a TikTok addiction. And and Jimmy, like you go on TikTok and there's all these posts from women saying like, who is this guy? I want this guy. This is my new favorite football player. You know, so Jimmy G is uh, he, maybe he'll bring in some fringe. Fans well, after week 18, when he's doing the post game, I'm, I'm driving out of the stadium and my phone's my daughter, Natalie, who says, oh, my God, who is this? And I said, I, he's been playing the NFL. I think he was drafted yeah. in 2014, for God's right. sake. He's been with them for four years. I mean, right. come on. And well, that, that's what good. Now, go. I was just going to say my you know, she's like my my boyfriend. That's Bobby. Her Natalie's boyfriend's like, I knew you were going to love this guy. I knew it when he was popped up. I'm like, Bobby, Bobby's got nothing to worry about. We're good over there. That's what I like about the TikToks. They'll show a picture of Jimmy G and the, the woman is going, I don't know who this is or who is this guy, but I want him in my bed or something like that. And it's amusing. Yeah, they have well, no idea. Who thankfully, my daughter didn't go that far. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, let me ask you a couple of things. A uh, little little fun stuff before we wrap it up. I I was surprised it ended up being such a big deal, but it was funny when Troy made the comment about not doing the the Dallas Niners game. Uh, I took it as tongue in cheek, but he was really pissed that he wasn't doing that game. What was your take, and what did you how did you feel about CBS getting what should have been a Fox, what normally well, would be a Fox game? Yeah, it made all the sense in the world. You know the workings of the business. I mean, they paid extra money to have that time slot, and that was the obvious choice to go into that time slot. So we all understand that the people on the inside, people on the outside are like, why aren't you doing this game? They're friends of mine, but you don't want to – nobody cares. Nobody cares about that right. kind of stuff. But when right. Troy said that, and I know you you had him on recently, and and he's obviously one of my best friends in the world. I I have worked with him for twenty years on the air now, and I don't think on air he's ever said anything that surprised me to the point where I I almost couldn't talk, and that got me. I mean, as you can see, I'm like, ah. Oh. I was wondering if you knew that if you had talked beforehand and you knew he was going to drop that. I line. had no idea. My hand to God, my my on the health of my kids. I had zero idea that he would say that. I, I think it's hilarious. And and I love it to me when he does that stuff. It is friggin' gold. I, I love that. Can you share? You don't have to, but if you can, can you share like what you said to him when you went to break? Like, did you say, I can't believe you said that? Or was our, well, the funniest thing was, you know, we've got all these people in the booth that 
you know, you don't ever see on camera, but I've got a stat guy. I've got a spotter guy. He's got a spotter guy. There's an audio guy. Mike Pereira may have been in. I think, yeah, Mike Pereira was in the booth. He said it, and I'm I'm looking at Troy, who's to my left, and then I'm just watching the reaction almost at the same time of everybody in the room, like, like hands up, like, oh my god, I can't. But afterward, I was like, you you are a beauty. I can't believe you just said that on television, and I laughed. I I was like, good, keep keep going, whatever. Let's have fun, whatever the score was. It wasn't very close at the time. That's, that's great. Yeah, I I think I've said this on Twitter, but Troy seems to have entered the like zero fucks given zone. Yeah, he's 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 edged his way in there. Um, yeah. which you know me well enough to know that I'm all I'm all for that. And yes. and I think you know when you consider where he started and and it's it, it continues to this day but on those cowboys teams he had to be the voice of reason he had to be the straight-laced leader of the Dallas Cowboys it, it was it that was called for back then and i think it just took time and i remember early on he said something about Donovan McNabb in a preseason game and, and the reporters after the game asked Donovan about what Troy said in the game. And I think it hit him. Like when I say stuff, meaning Troy, not me, Mm -hmm. when Troy says stuff, people perk up. And if he says anything with teeth in it, it's on a crawl, like on different sports channels. So he has to be really careful with that. And, and, you know, in this world, you can be as opinionated as you want, but then you got to live with the fallout and you got to answer questions about it. And then it becomes so. I, but he's I good at it. that. He's very good at that with living with the fallout and dealing. He's 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 excellent with that. He is. And he's yeah. he's not scared. And he's not a guy that if if you don't like him, you know, uh, OK, fine. I right. think he, he gets a little bit of of a chuckle, a legit chuckle when he gets ripped on Twitter or I get ripped. We talk about it all the time. And then you move on. I mean, he's, he's competed at the highest level. And, and I, you know, I, as he said um, to me, you know, you're in the arena, you do the job and, and let everybody shoot their shots, but then hand them a headset. You go do it. The best thing about, I shouldn't say the best thing. One of the things I love about Troy is that, and I said this on Twitter too, is he is the only, he's the only analyst out there. He'll kill the the refs when they deserve it. Everyone else has to pussyfoot. Oh, it's a tough call. Oh, they get most of it. Troy comes out. That, I don't understand what that was. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks for speaking like a normal person. Troy. Well, I just think sometimes, you know, this is a guy who got hit a lot and, <laughs> and played that position and played it incredibly well. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, with the glancing hand to the helmet or defensive linemen who are coming in and, they hit the guy in the waist or half an inch below the waist, and they're trying not to, you know, they're trying to pull up, but their body weight lands. Some of that stuff just, it's hard to justify. And when when that stuff can win and lose games, and, and I think that that hits a chord with him. So, and, and he's earned it. He's earned that opinion. I haven't. I haven't been down there. I haven't been, you know hit by guys at, at that level, but, but he has. And, and so that's, that's what you're getting with him, and I love that. There's been a lot of rumblings about Troy. Have you thought about life after Troy, if it's a possibility? I try not to um, because it's been 20 years, and I can honestly say the same hand to the same God. He and I have never had one moment. We've never had one moment where we have felt like 
at least I haven't. And, and we talk about it all the time. We're just lucky that we're good friends. And, and in this business, with as much as there is on the line, at least in our own minds, every time you go on and, and this business can be kind of backstabby and everybody's oh, climbing yeah. over one another to, to make something happen for themselves. He and I just have never played that game. He, he's, he's legitimately one of my best friends. And I, and I think he would say the same about me. So I, I try not to think about it. And we talk about it. We talk about what's out there and we talk about what he's deciding between and everything else. But I only ask questions and talk about it to a point because that's his life. That's his career. He knows how I feel. I don't want him going anywhere, but, and, and that's understood. But at the end of the day, he's going to do what he wants to do. If, if Troy left for Amazon, does Joe Buck go to Fox and say, I want to say, and who replaces him? Well, I haven't, you know, it's funny. I haven't said one word to Fox about all that. And they have not talked to me one word about all of that. Not, not at any point, same hand, third time to the same well, guy. <laughs> we just haven't no, no. discussed it. Yeah. I mean, they don't have to until he actually, you know, if he actually left, but if he left, I would think after 20 years, they, you would be able to have some say in who's going to replace him. I think I would be in the conversation, but I think, uh, they certainly are, are in no way, shape or form, uh, obligated to listen to anything I say. I mean, they're the boss. I'm the, I'm the guy that sits in the booth and I've worked with multiple people in baseball. I've worked with multiple people in football. I mean, I started with Tim Green and I've been with Bill Moss and Brian Baldinger and different people along the way. I, I just, it's been 20 years. And when you do these games that are as intense as they are, and I know where he's going and he knows where I'm going and I know what he wants to talk about and he knows when and what I want to talk about. That that's really hard to replicate. Imagine next year, week one, four twenty-five. I can already see the look on your face. Let's I don't say, like what's let, about to come. Let's out of your say mouth. you're in SoFi at four twenty-five, week one. You get on camera. Welcome to SoFi for the Rams and Seahawks. I'm Joe Buck, and he's the Hall of Famer, Tom Brady. <laughs> okay, well there you go. I I if Tom Brady is standing there. I there's zero chance Tom Brady is standing anywhere near me. I don't even think I've ever been in his pre maybe three times in my life, but that ain't happening. You never know those TV dollars. If he retires, um, yeah. yeah. last thing you've been such a good sport, but now we'll, we'll really have some fun. The, we both are diehard. We've talked about this a million times. Howard Stern fans. Yes. Did you listen to Monday's show by any chance? You're going to have to. I mean, I, okay. I listen. So, Okay, this goes into Bengals Chiefs. Oh, they were talking. Yeah, I was which is, stunned. They which were talking is JD. so much football. Yes. And you've got. Yeah. So now here we are. We've got and I, I have not yeah. listened after. So the answer is no. And now we've got uh, JD uh, with his Bengals. Yep. Against uh, now Richard Christie. Against Richard, Richard Christie, Christie with, with, the uh, Chiefs. with his Chiefs. And it's I mean, this is going to be crazy. So, yeah, the first hour of Monday's show was all football, which was shocking. Um, but I immediately, as soon as the Chiefs won that wild game, I was like, oh, we got J.D. versus Richard. This should be fun. That was your first thought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The Stern show is right at the front of my, my head at all times. Okay. My first, no, my first thought was, thank God the game went over because I had taken a bath earlier in the day. So <laughs> I needed all those extra points at the end. That was my first thought. Okay. Um, and so, so they made a wager where 
if the Bengals win, Richard has to burn some old ratty Chiefs hat or jersey or something that he's had for like his whole life. They should make him burn his jeans. Well, I don't know. Although if, I don't know that they're flammable. And if the Chiefs win, then JD has to show his penis to Richard Christie. Now, th- now that seems like an odd. <laughs> I mean, don't shouldn't most bets and equations even out somehow? So this is I'm listening to this and I want to call in so badly because they don't factor in the fact that the Chiefs are seven and a half point favorites. So you need to balance out the punishments to reflect the fact that the Chiefs are heavily. Yeah, but favorite. Howard yes, being the arbiter of this. Well, yes, is not going to go down like the point spread line. Exactly. And, and again, I think you and I've talked about it. For me, having been on there twice, it was a huge upset that that even happened. And I'd love to go on again. But Howard doesn't really understand why, if you grew up in Pittsburgh, oh yeah, that you moved to New York, why are you now not a Jets fan? Or right. you know, why why do you still like the Steelers? Okay, because it's in your fabric. But I've always said this: I love the fact that Howard doesn't know anything about sports. That makes it so much more enjoyable to me. And me too. Yeah, yeah it's because he asks questions that actually other people take for granted. And, and yeah. then it makes you think about some of these things. And, and when I went on there, I mean, I knew I, I knew I wasn't going. I was about to do a Super Bowl the first time six days later. And I knew there wasn't going to be anything except prop bet questions, which we got to eventually. Yeah. He spent two weeks ago berating Gary trying to figure out why the Jets haven't been disbanded yet. <laughs> that, that's his <laughs> knowledge of sport. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So J.D. versus Richard Christie. Who do we want to see win this bet? That, that's the question. I mean, I could, you know, Richard Christie burning like an old <laughs> chief hat does not have any appeal to me right. whatsoever. I right. mean, I, or, to, or to the show, I would imagine. Well, he'd probably cry. He's a crier. I think that's what they're going. He for is now. a crier. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would default to, uh, to the other side of that yeah. bet. Richard seeing JD's penis. Yeah, I mean, you're the one saying that. I'm just saying. I, I'm not saying it. That's what the bet is. Yeah, I know. But you're the you're the host. I'm the guy with you know more to lose. So you go ahead and say it. I'm just saying that's what that's what's on the line. Okay, that's understood. All. Yes. Yeah. So I I again, as you said, the Chiefs are favorites. So yeah. you know we're we're pointed directly for that Armageddon. My favorite thing is Howard gets all this crap now for being like politically correct or he's, you know, he's gone Hollywood, you know, the all of the, and meanwhile, they have a Super Bowl bet where one guy has to show his penis to another guy. So that, right. that's, how, that's right. how politically correct the show. Is. My only question as we wrap up is, uh, are you going to ask Nance this shit too, or is this just me? Well, here's the thing. I already taped with Nance. Oh, well, I, let's reopen that. Make it three in a row. And what I'm going to do is. When I finish with you, I'm going to go on camera and flip a coin to see whose interview goes first, because people get very pissy if they don't get the with a podcast. I don't understand why. The, I never better? Do the, nothing's better. It's all the same. There's right. No I, I don't care. You don't need to flip a coin. I'll, I'll lose. Yeah. He, Jim can go first. Well, it's see, I was trying to think about it. So there's actually a third guest on this edition. We have Roman Reigns, who, you know, because you got to do the promos for SmackDown all the time. I did a Pizza Hut commercial with him. Oh, uh, did you? He's a great guy. Isn't great he? guy. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. yeah I, he I, comes on here all the time. But did he did, wasn't he like a, a backup defensive lineman at Michigan State or something? Uh, no, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Great guy. Comes on all the time. So they have the Royal Rumble on Saturday. So he's going to come on. So. I'm going to put Roman on first this way. Like you and Nance, no one gets upset well, about shit, like, if I'm on third, nobody, 
nobody will hear any of this and we can revisit the Richard Christie. Bat. Everyone. That's the thing. It's a podcast. People will hear it. If you're third, second, it doesn't matter. I People don't care will. if anybody hears this. <laughs> you're 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 making an argument to me and I don't care. It's fine. Right. Great. I'll I put, hope so everybody I'll put, hears this so I can put you third and you won't be offended and put me fourth. How about that? Yeah, I, I don't want to put you third because I feel like you're so nice for coming on. Nance was on last week, so he could go. Yeah. What's last. going on with that? I mean, I'm well, a little I, perturbed. I'm a little disturbed. Well, listen, he you know, he had one for the ages there with Bill's Chiefs. So I, I had to talk about that game. And, you know, I, I didn't want to bring it up, but did you, know, you ask him to come on or did he ask to come? I asked on? him to come on. I asked him to. Come you on. asked the same human being to be a guest on your podcast two weeks in a row. Yes. Well, here. No, this was the nat- here was the natural thought in my head. There's nobody in America cares about anything but one thing. The NFL. There's two NFL games this Sunday. This is the last week of the season for the normal regular football fan. The Super Bowl is bullshit. It's for the fringe fan. This is the last real Sunday. Who are the two men calling the games? Joe Buck and Jim Nance. That's who I wanted on the podcast. Okay. But just so you know, here are the six words nobody ever wants to hear. Will you be on my podcast? And you oh, hit him with that two weeks in a row. He could have said no. This week. He's got little kids. He's, he, he's living in Nashville with. Homes and Pebble Beach and all this, this life and, and he's got a clothing line and all these things. And you're asking him two weeks in a row to do your podcast. Yeah. I know. Ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. The it's, only it's thing over and above. The only thing worse than asking someone to come on the podcast is when I have to ask someone to listen to the podcast. That's, That's fair. I mean, I, it's just, you know, you got to just be a total whore on Twitter and it's really bad. It's just bad. Yeah. Well, bad. that's what clickbait's for. What do we got for clickbait this time? Joe, Joe on Troy leaving Fox. Yeah, I haven't talked about it publicly anywhere. I don't know anything. There's nothing to say. I, I hope he stays. That's Joe, it. That's all I got. Now, now, I will be I'll be dead serious here. If I was a real dick and one of these bloggers who do this, I could easily put Joe comments on having Tro- Tom Brady as his analyst next year. No, you could. And then you could say. But just hang in there because he's 51 minutes into my podcast. People will be listening. People will be listening. Okay. Joe, I appreciate it. Have a great game. And um, hopefully you and Troy continue on for many, many, many years. Yeah, that'd be we nice. all enjoy listening to you guys. That'd be nice. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you for much. Co- Thank you for saying yes when I said, can you come on my podcast? Well, I mean, there's pressure. Well, you, if Nance a- is willing to do it two times in a row, I should at least go on once. If you were calling the Super Bowl, I'd ask you again next week. But Al's but doing I, it. So. Yeah, I'd have to try to fit that in. Yeah, I have two weeks. You have your own podcast. Do you try to do you book the guests or do you have a booker? I don't. We don't do guests anymore. OK, smart. We, we got more traction when it was just Oliver Hudson and me with our daddy issues podcast available wherever podcasts are found. There you go. We'll leave it right at that. Let the plug sit. Yeah, Joe, I appreciate it. Take All right, buddy. See ya. Thanks. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, joining me, first time ever, guest is on two weeks in a row. But after the insanity in Arrowhead, I reached out to CBS's Jim Nance about talking about it, and he was kind enough to say yes and Come on this podcast for a second week in a row. Jim, how are you? Hey, I'm honored. What can I say? Well, to be I have first to... at something. This is a big deal. I haven't had many firsts, so I'll put this one on a very short list, okay? I, I appreciate that. And I have to tell you, so on Sunday, you know, that first game was, you know, you thought the first game was wild enough with the, with the Bucks and that furious comeback against the Rams and then obviously the Cooper Cup play. And I had tweeted the NFL should push Chiefs Bills back a little bit to give the country a chance to decompress because that was wild enough. So when that game ended, I was running around to do a couple of things to get ready for, for your game for kickoff. So I missed your opening. And at one point I checked Twitter and I had a ton of tweets from podcast listeners saying Jim Nance wore the purple tie. Oh, <laughs> of course. So these listeners were on top of it, and they let me know you had the purple tie on that we discussed. Yes, last week. my my fashion designer Jimmy Trina. Yeah. We uh, we pulled out what we call a uh, purple forget me not tie. So uh, so you can't yeah, go red or you can't go red or orange this week. So I think blue may a little royal. It's blue. a big week for blue. It's yeah. a definite big week for yeah. blue. I thought you were going to talk about something we did at the beginning because. We're coming off that game you just documented. It was so exciting. And, you know, you know, of course, what I'm thinking, we're doomed. We've got a blowout on our hands. There is no way this league's coming up after three straight games like that with another one. And I think it topped them all. You know, I, I'm glad you brought that up because we did talk last week. I, I said it to you last week. You guys had the game of the week. You guys had what a lot of people thought was the, the real AFC title game. We'll see how it bears out this week. It, it, you know, when that game started and that, the expectations for that game were very high, but then you get three games, you know, that we got Bengals winning on a field goal, unbelievable job by their rookie kicker. You had the Aaron Rodgers mess on Saturday night, Brady come back on Sunday. And then it was like, can this game live up to the hype? 
And oh my God, you talk about living up to the hype and then exceeding it. Couldn't ask for anything more on Sunday night. I looked at Tony in the opening and said, how do we get our mind around what's just happened this weekend? And I said, the way it's going with the visiting team winning on field goals at the gun, I said, this should be a very big night for Tyler Bass. <laughs> you know, which would have been unbelievable if it came down right. to a fast kick. Um, but no, I really, truly kind of felt like somehow the the, the football gods are going to even this thing out. And we're going to have a, I, I mean, I didn't think going in all week preparing that anyone would be dominant. But yeah. I just, you know, I was I was worried that we wouldn't have a game that would be as memorable. And what it turned out to be, Jimmy, the last 36 hours I've heard from so many people. I've never had the feedback, even calling Super Bowls. I've never had the feedback I've had off of that game. The remarks that have been so beautiful by people in the industry, people outside the industry, how much they enjoyed that game, that broadcast. Uh, it, it, it's meant a lot to me, but there was one prevailing theme that comes out, and that is people are saying that it might be the greatest game of all time. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about you know, I was thinking about that. For me, I, I don't know, maybe this is me. I'm not a New York football Giants fan at all, never was, but I am in New York. And whenever someone says to me, greatest game, I always think of the Giants win against the Bills when Parcells coached a mastermind there with controlling the ball and keeping away from that offense. And it ends on a missed field goal, which you don't like. Um, so whenever anyone asks me casually, oh, your favorite NFL game, I always think of that one. This one, obviously, I think had a lot more. I think that Bill's Giants, I love the strategy of it. Giants also playing with a backup quarterback, Hostetler over Sims. So there's a lot of layers there. But we're in a different era of football. So it's a totally different game now. So for me, it's hard to say, you know, best game. But what about you? I mean, you listen, you've called them all. If you, Where would you put this one? I think it's the best I've ever seen. I, 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 I do all respect with all respect for your Super Bowl 25 memory. I, I don't see even with the strategy, you know, the thing is so memorable about that game, unfortunately, is a, is a missed kick and the national anthem. <laughs> right. Whitney Houston. Right. But in this case, who's going to forget for a long time? We're going to be with that memory of 25 points in the last minute and 54 seconds of regulation and the fourth and 13 play by, by Josh and, and, and Davis and, and then Hill coming back and getting free for 64 yards and on and on. Uh, I, I have three that I would rank together. Probably this one's a little notch ahead because it's fresh in my mind, but yeah. New England against Indianapolis 06 AFC championship game. That's where Manning Brady, 21 to three New England right before the half field goal by the Colts going into the locker room, 21, six, they come back and win 38, 34 on their way to Peyton winning a Super Bowl for the first time game was, it was like what we just saw Sunday. Yeah. It really, truly was. And then I go back to Arrowhead, Kansas city and new England three years ago for the AFC championship game, a kind of a boring 14, nothing new England lead at halftime. And all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, up and down the field. That was a great and game. Of course, the yeah. Patriots win 37-31 yeah. in overtime. And by the way. Anyway, can, I throw, I can I throw one game out there that sure. you and I both didn't mention? Where would you put Oilers' bills, the comeback uh, with Frank Reich, not Jim Kelly? 
uh, listen, it's it's the greatest comeback, but it's one-sided. This was each team excelling. That's the only thing I would say would be right. gotcha. different about that. Yeah. Now, what were you going to say? I cut game, you off. Yeah. In that game three years ago, I walked away thinking, what a shame after 30 something points were scored in the fourth quarter. You mean to tell me Patrick Mahomes didn't get a chance to go match that touchdown? The Kansas City defense had nothing left, nothing. And of course, they had a first possession win. Rex Burkhead took it in for the last two yards and they go on to the Super Bowl. But I strongly suggest that after that game, they need to change this thing for the postseason. I think they finally got it right whenever they, a decade ago, they changed the regular season overtime format. But postseason, we're talking about a whole year on the line. Don't talk about players getting injured. They play long enough. Like, let's settle this thing equally, you know? And so anyway, Sunday night, uh, you know, we, we had a little text exchange yeah. on this. Tracy's doing the interview down on the field and it, it just, it's in my head. I can't go off the air here without addressing this. Yeah. And, um, we did. We came out of the backside of that. And I said, I don't want to take anything away from the Chiefs. Of course, the Chief fans don't remember. They're mad at me that three years ago I was advocating for them. And and, and it just didn't seem right. I said the Bills didn't have a chance in overtime. And, you know, the easy football, I'm a football guy, comeback line is play a little defense. You know, right, oh, right. we'll play some defense. My, my answer to that, and Peter King's has said this several times, and I saw it again yesterday in Football Morning in America, the incredible opus he writes every week. And he said, that if you really feel that way, then, hey, send a letter to your – he didn't quite go this far, but right. go to your franchise and say, when we're in that scenario, let's kick the football. But look, we don't want the foot. We don't want that 20%, 40% advantage you have by winning the coin flip. Let's play some football. We'll go make a defensive play. No, you won't. Your defenses are dead. Right. They're right. dead. 100%. Yeah. So, Jimmy, there's I, I, an easy fix to this. There really is. And I think it's going to get fixed. I don't know if this is – everybody has complicated it by, so what do you do? Do you go to the college system? The college no. system, that stinks. Right. Okay. Just tweak the language, Jimmy, that each team is guaranteed one possession. Not if it's just a field goal. It includes a touchdown. And then we'll right. play it out. It's not. Well, okay, here's my. Get to. I'll say this on it. I, I think I don't think the NFL would ever do this for some reason, because maybe the optics of it are bad. I don't think it's a bad thing if you have one set of overtime rules for the regular season and one set for the postseason. What I don't in the post. I don't care what you do in the regular season, whatever you want to do. Keep it, call whatever. I don't care in the playoffs. What I don't understand is why not just play a regular standard 10 minute quarter? And that's it. So if you get the ball first and you want to keep the ball for 10 minutes, God bless you. Then, yeah, then you can criticize the defense. If you want to, you know, just play a 10 minute quarter. If it's tied at the end of 10 minutes, then you play at some point. It will not be tied. That to me, not regular season, just postseason is how they should. Why change anything into gimmicks? I hate gimmicks, especially in the postseason. Don't make it a gimmick. Just keep playing the game. Make it a 10 minute quarter. I think your solution would work. I'd be very happy with that. You're right. They, this has nothing to do with the regular season. This has to do with saving your season. Yes. And if you played 10 minutes, that, that's equitable. If you gave it my idea, if you let both teams have a possession and then let's take Sunday night, the Bills knew they would have, had, they would have known they had to go down the field right. and match the touchdown. And if they want to, because they know their defense has, can't make a play, 
go for two and try to win yeah. it or lose yeah. it, you know, yeah. on that one play. But, yeah. you know, just, again, I'm taking nothing away from an incredible performance by, uh, by Kansas city and, and led by Mahomes. And it is just amazing. But I think, I think the star for Josh Allen has reached a whole new stratosphere because there's a lot of sympathy, I think, behind them walking off that field in defeat and what he did on plays at the end over and over again to keep them in it. I want to ask you a couple of specifics about the broadcast, but last thing on this, I'm curious what your answer is going to be, because I I want to know if it plays out that my theory on it. Do you know who I feel the most, who I felt the most bad for when that game ended? The one single person? On the Bills? Yeah. Hmm. So you don't, you're you don't even, you did the game and you, Gabriel Davis would have launched into NFL stardom (laughs) if the Bills win that. He had no, I mean, and I'm telling you, not one person talked about his performance afterwards because of what happened. Four touchdowns. 200 yards, the Chiefs couldn't cover him at all. I don't know where Stephon Diggs was for the game, but that what that if the Bills win, that goes down as like a top uh, one, three listen, greatest. No one's before. ever done it. No one's ever done it. First off, they had two guys on Diggs, and of course they didn't have Tyron Matthew back there. So that left right, right. Davis alone in the middle of the field, and he repeatedly beat them. So when I when he scored the fourth touchdown, Ethan Cooperson, who's been my stats guy for, for uh, several decades in football, he's brilliant. And he says four touchdowns, NFL record, postseason record. I took the headset off, <laughs> and I said, I just want to make sure before I say this, you mean to tell me no one, not even Jerry, Jerry Rice, Rice ever hey. had a four touchdown game. He said, no one. So that's, I, I actually, when I dropped that nugget on there, I mentioned yeah. Rice just and to try to give it context. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're talking Jerry Rice never does. And here's a guy that is the second or third option, not the second, third or fourth option at, at Buffalo. I mean, he was brilliant. He really was. That's and and not just, and yeah, the four touchdowns are sexy, but 200 yards yeah. in a playoff game. Un- I, you know, I felt that he would have been the only thing people would have been talking about after that game if, if they would have won. That was an unbelievable performance. Well, I think they would have been talking about both, both, yeah, the Davis and and the quarterback. We got to hear a word about seconds, yeah. by the way. But I, I will say this: I had Kansas City and Cincinnati this month, so they're going to meet for the second time in January. We had them January the second, and in that game, Jamar Chase had. 10 or 12 catches, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. So it's not four touchdowns, but it was 266 yards. So I've seen this movie twice in the month of January where people are posting numbers that are jaw-dropping. And you'll have the hat hat trick on Sunday, and you'll see Mm -hmm. it again probably. Let me ask you this. The ratings came out right before we we started taping. 42.7 million watched the game. The game peaked with 51 Point seven million. You've been doing this for a long time, so this is a stupid question, but I'll ask it anyway. When you're doing the game, do you ever think there's a lot of people watching this right now? I wonder how many people are watching this right now. No, I, 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 I don't let my mind wander there. When you're yeah. about to get started, you feel the enormity of the occasion. You know, you're now ready for what you prepared all week for, and now we've got to go perform. And people don't see what you do all week long to get ready for that broadcast to the moment when they say go. But when they say go, you know, and, and, and the light comes on and you got the wide shot and they come to us on camera. Uh, I am, I'm not going to kid you, Jimmy, after 37 years, I still feel the butterflies and the nervous energy 
like, well, you're not a golfer, but as golfer would stand on the first tee with people watching them, that first shot, for some reason, you feel the anxiety. And until you hit it, even if you miss hit it, you, you, you suddenly you dial back and feel relaxed. And I feel that no matter how many people are watching, no matter you what have, show us. Do you have anything you do to, I don't know if calm yourself is the right word. Yeah. I do. I do. And I've said this. Um, so it's, it's not fresh copy and a clever idea. I wrote it in a book about my dad uh, that I wrote 14 years ago. I look into that lens mm-hmm. and it, it's just a, it's just a dark lens, a dark hole. There's no feedback. You know, on the other side of that lens, there are, as you mentioned 40 something to 50 million people were watching last week. If you go there, it takes your breath away. I look into that lens and that's why I say, hello, friends. It was, right. a, it was, it was directed to my dad who fought a long battle, 13 year battle with Alzheimer's. And I, it just was slowly slipping away. He didn't have the, the fast rapidly developing kind, but it was just continual deterioration. And I, I, I was sitting at his bedside uh, in 2002. And I said, Hey dad, he still had enough memory to, I, I thought he could hang on to it. I said, I'm going to be up in Minnesota this weekend and I'm looking at a lens and I'm going to say, Hello, friend, Jim Nance here. Hello, friends, Jim Nance here. Because all I ever talked about, Dad, man, you have nothing but friends. He truly, he had nothing. Everybody loved my dad. And my name in my family and with my closest friends is your name too, Jimmy. Everybody right. knows me as Jimmy. Okay, my because I, I was the third. My dad was Jim. But when I got hired, I was 26 years old. And I thought Jim Nance sounded a little bit more like mature and a seasoned yeah. veteran than Jimmy Nance. So um, you might want to think about this. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll let you finish. I'll tell you a funny story. Go ahead. But, so anyway, I, I said, Dad, I'm looking at the lens on, on Saturday. I'm going to say, hello, friends, Jim Nance here. I'm going to be thinking of you. And, 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 and I, I, maybe he forgot it the minute I walked out of the room, but I did it that day. And my friend, Eli Spielman, who would later co-author the book with me, he, he called and said, I heard you say, hello, friends. What was that about? I told him the backstory. He says, that sounds like you. And that helps you. You ought to keep doing that. And when I say it, I see an image of him. I think of him and I feel gratitude in my heart and it relaxes me. You know, years and years ago, I was just out of college in Houston. I used to write letters to Jim McKay. I used to write letters to all the broadcasting voices of my youth. And a lot of them wrote me back. And anyway, I graduated from college and I had a mutual friend who was a golf pro, as it turns out, after college at Mr. McKay's golf course in Connecticut. He told him, you know, I'm my buddy's Jim Nance. He goes, yeah, this kid writes me letters from Houston. He said, yeah, you ought to tell him to come up and play golf sometime with me. Within two weeks, I flew to to Westport, Connecticut, and I played golf with the great man. It was 1982, September 13th, 1982. And that day I couldn't get enough from 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 Mr. McCabe. I was just in awe of him. And uh, I said, any advice? And he said, when you look into that lens, he said, kind of focus your attention. Think of one person. Just think you're talking to one person. I think it had as much to do with trying to relax you as it did to get you to be conversational as if you're talking to someone. And I kind of got it, but I never really understood fully what he meant until this whole hello friends thing started as a secret little code to my dad. Now my dad's been gone, Jimmy, uh, since 2008 and I miss him so much. I had a dream about him last night. Um, but I, and, I and hello friends I is, think of him at that moment. Yeah. And it helps me. 
Yeah. And Hello Friends has become a big, I mean, you're not on Twitter, but whenever someone's tweeting anything about Jim Nance, there's a Hello Friends meme and yeah. you get the whole treatment with it. So, it's, well, it, it, it it's was a born thing. out of something not to try to have some slick kind of saying or signature right. saying. It was truly just done as a loving tribute to my dad. And um, I'm, I'm grateful that it's really helped me get over those first tea jitters. Yeah. Um, when that game is over, do you do in your head? I wish I said that. I wish I said that differently. I wish I would have brought that up. Do you do, do you do any of that afterwards or you can't go there? Cause it'll, no, you're in a blue funk. I'm still in it. We were taping this on Tuesday. You can hear my voice is still a little bit raspy. Um, you know, it's just, you walk away and, and you're so uh, for about another hour energized by what, what you just saw and what you just witnessed. But in that case, Tony and I walked out of the booth and I know the game, everything rises with it, but we looked at one another and said, that was the best broadcast we've ever had. We really felt like from the opening three minute sequence on camera to the first drive of the game, it just felt like everything was kind of spot on and we were hand in glove. And, you know, I just love doing the games with Tony. He's just, um, it, we, we just have a blast. It's just two guys that are happy to be in the arena. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. I wrote a column on, on Monday. I said, you guys nailed the biggest moment of the game, which was the kickoff mm-hmm. um, where with 13 seconds left when the bills kicked it deep, you and Tony before the kick, not a second guess, first guess said, you know, got to kick it, not in the end zone, you know, get time off the clock. Now, when that actually happens and they kick it deep, I don't know. Did you go to commercial after or you stayed right on the field? You stayed right no, on the field. No, okay. we stayed. We did not. Because I'm wondering if to Tony break. off on the side, Tony goes, you know, I can't bleep and believe they kicked it deep. You know, he said it on the air, but I'm wondering off the air if he even like is like, I can't even believe what we just saw because that ended up being the biggest play of the game by far. No, I think he expressed that pretty clearly. Yeah. I, I yeah. think we both were incredulous when we just saw it was just the, hey, let's just kick it deep. Yeah. It, without yeah. thinking about the three or four, five seconds maybe that it would take for someone to field the ball and then start to make a few cuts before falling down on the ground. And now, you know, you have one play to pick up 40 yards, let's say yeah. 40 yards to be able to get in Butker's field goal range. It was just, it, to me, that was, that was such a defining moment um, for that game. I think that made all the difference in the world because you know, instead, you, you, you the, nothing's run off the clock, and uh, they've got all these timeouts anyway. So Mahomes on first down, they gave him an easy 19 yards to Kelsey, and that um, was something nobody talked about afterwards too. Is how fortunate the Chiefs were to have all those timeouts. You, you know, yeah, usually and, by then you, you've burnt them all. But I, I, I don't know. It, it's just the heartbreak for for that franchise. You you were talking about Super Bowl 25 earlier, but then you know, how about the Music City Miracle? Yep. You know, talking about a kickoff again, determining your fate. Um, well, it was, listen, it's a, it's a really fun team to watch. And I know it's going to take a long time to get over that. But it's going to be the interest level in Buffalo next year. Uh, maybe there was, I mean, it is, you know, I'm talking very broadly here, Jimmy. Maybe they hadn't been enough of a national team for whatever reason. Tony and I didn't have but one game this year in the regular season. Right. I don't make the right. schedule, and, I, and I'm not second guessing at all our programmers. They're brilliant, uh, led by Dan Weinberg. They're they're incredible. But just the way it shook out on our package, we had Buffalo and Tampa, 
And I'm already looking ahead the next year, thinking, how many times can we get Buffalo on our air? Now, Buffalo plays at Detroit. I'm going to make the early call on it right here for you, Jimmy. I'm going to say it's our year for Detroit for on Thanksgiving. I'm going to go Buffalo-Detroit on Thanksgiving. Be a good spot to put them in. All, only thing that's tough is that Buffalo has played twice in recent years on Thanksgiving, including this last season in New Orleans. And they, oh. we had them at Dallas a few years ago. But they've got a game at Kansas City in the regular season next year. Will be That will be a huge behind-the-scenes battle with CBS and NBC trying to get the rights to that game for CBS doubleheader or a Sunday night game. Now, there's a Buffalo at the Rams game at SoFi. Yeah, I could see that being a doubleheader game. So, yeah. you know, it goes and down it, the road. Buffalo will play Cincinnati, and, you know, we're going to want to do that game. Uh, anyway. Uh, I was going to say, it, you, uh, you've probably barely spent any time in Cincinnati over the last God only knows how many years. You'll be there a lot next year as well. I'm going to be uh, – I, I was there January the 2nd this month. Right. That was for the one, Kansas City game we mentioned. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do a little bit on um, – uh, I'll just say this before we go to that. You know, the other thing too is, you know, if you're, if you're you and Tony and CBS, you got to be very happy you're not Joe and Troy and Fox because there's a good chance they're going to lose Brady and Rodgers, whereas you now have Burrow. Allen, I mean, there's a lot of cross flex, but if you still go by the traditional, the quarterback dominance, the shift next year is going to be drastic if those two guys leave. And we we brought this up a few times during a game because as much as you want to build this rivalry between Josh and Patrick, that's not fair to Joe Burrow. He might be playing in the Super Bowl in two weeks, and he's going to have something to say about this. And Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson. And by the way, guess what? Maybe Aaron Rodgers comes over to our world, to the right, AFC. Denver. The AFC, you know, there's a guy down in Jacksonville. Or not, you, know, you don't even think about tossing him into discussion after a rookie year, but I mean, Trevor Lawrence, well, he's not going to have a big career. Deshaun Watson might be coming back and playing. Who knows? Maybe even in Houston. So the AFC is on fire Loaded. at that position Loaded. and with stars in the making or stars yeah. already. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about for a couple of minutes – Chiefs, Bengals, and we just mentioned Burrow. Now, let, let me just start with this. I love Joe Burrow. You ask me, you know, people all the time ask me who's my favorite NFL team. I say, I don't have a team. I'm at the point where I root for players that I, I get on teams each year that I like. I, I've been on the Bengals for two years. I love Joe Burrow. Top three, top five favorite player of mine. Thought he made a mistake, though, with the quote that came out, I guess. I don't know if it's a new quote or an old quote. I think it's a new quote, but he said, they asked him about playing an arrowhead, and he said, quote, it gets way louder in the SEC than any of these NFL stadiums. I think it might have been better to keep that one under wraps instead of saying that when you're going into Arrowhead. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I don't know him well enough yet. I'm going yeah. to get to know him in the coming years a ton. As you said, there's a lot of trips to Cincinnati coming up for us, no doubt. But he doesn't care. That's the bottom line. <laughs> there's an edge to him. Absolutely. That's really attractive, by the way, as far as like, man, this guy's tough. He, he'll say some things. And he got the whole thing about we don't want to hear the whole narrative about us being underdogs anymore. I mean, he, he will speak his mind. He's, you know, he's a baby face killer. I mean, a kid can really yeah. be unflappable in these situations. And I think what he's saying is he's been in a lot of spots before as the villain, as the visitor, and it's not going to phase him. But Arrowhead? I'm not saying, you know, I, hey, I have college football pedigree in my background a ton back in the 90s, et cetera, et cetera. But I still can't think of a place. You know, Arrowhead wins the 
wins the the, the Guinness's World Book of Record mark right. with decibel level. It's insanity right. there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know that's the thing. It's going to be fascinating to watch him navigate the Chiefs Arrowhead. This is his real. Fr- I mean, yes, last week was a big game, but this is obviously another level. This is not LSU. This is you know I'm I think he's got. Listen, I don't. I think the Chiefs will win, but I think he's going to, I think he will keep it close. And I think he's put, he's, they will put points on the board. I don't see this guy getting rattled at all. I, I think that statement about they don't like the narrative, I'm sure the other thing they don't like right now is just this sense that, that they probably are picking up on the vibe that most of the nation is looking at it a little bit like, well, you know, Kansas City is going to go back to the Super Bowl again as if it's a foregone conclusion, which it's not, which Cincinnati just beat Kansas City again January uh, 2nd. And uh, I, I think there's a lot to be said about that little edge that he'll make a lot out of, whether it's the underdog theme or we're being forgotten about. He, he'll do something with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, hey – who would have thought? I mean, Cincinnati could very possibly they could be there. And when when the Bengals have been in the Super Bowl, it's not like everybody saw the other two times coming. You know, the year Ken Anderson and uh, I brought this game up on the air the other night um, when they played against San Francisco. That the irony that Cincinnati and San Francisco both won on Saturday and come Sunday it was the 40 year anniversary of uh, of a game that was. Uh, a 51.2, forget about 51 million. It was, I think, a 51.2 rating, Jimmy. You know, Super Bowls do 40, like 40, right. 39 rate. Did a 51 rating, I believe. Uh, maybe it peaked at that. Maybe it was an average of 49, but it's still the highest rated game of all time. And the Bengals, they just, hey, they were nowhere the last few years. They're, they, it, they have put together. I'm looking. I, I'm looking forward to it. Three o'clock on uh, Sunday, Jim and Tony. Now I'm going to wrap it with this. When, when you were on last week, I mentioned to you that I like when uh, Tony gets on you about jinxing the kickers, or sometimes <laughs> I'll ask you for a prediction. You guys did a number on Harrison Bucker this week, oh, boy. and I thought, and I tweeted this at the time. One of the highlights of that broadcast for me was when Bucker was kicking the tying field goal, and Tony just says, "I'm nervous." You have the broadcast now. You have Everett McPherson. Are you going to now be careful on him. he's a rookie. Don't go too hard on him. You and Tony jinx in the kickers with McPherson this week. Be careful. He's a rookie. You heard what he said before he hit the kick to beat the Titans. Didn't you? About, we're going to the, yeah, yeah. the holder backup quarterback holder. He's walking out to try a 52 yard field goal. And he says, Hey, we're going to the AMC championship game. Yeah. Now, yeah. How about that? I mean, you talk about Joe saying some, the Burrow saying some things. How yep. about the kicker having that kind of confidence? Yeah, um, and he backed it up. Yeah, no, we'll, we're we're kind of cautiously navigating <laughs> through all that again. We don't want to have uh, our hands, uh, you know, on determining the history of the and the, the outcome of these games. But <laughs> uh, I remember when Tony said that I'm nervous. I know yeah. what he means. That's yeah. the fan side in us. Yeah, you know, like we're not hardened. Been there, seen it all. We don't care. We're fans. You know the, the the gravity of this of this occasion, and I said I think there are hundreds of thousands of people in Western New York that are feeling the same thing. Well, that's the thing with Tony. Listen, Tony could be your cup of tea. Tony cannot be your cup of tea. What I like about Tony is when he sits there and says, "I'm nervous before that kick." I know he's not doing BS shtick. I know he's really feeling that way. So that's what I appreciate, and I like that he's different. 
And, you know, I, I thought that was a great line at the time. It's called being real. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that, that, that's who he is and what you see and what you hear. That's Tony. He's a f- wonderful guy to be around. And I love, love not only his friendship and, um, and his family, but being able to share these occasions like what we had last Sunday night, sitting side by side and getting excited together. And a little bit of an air, too. I don't know if you pick up on this, of disbelief of how lucky are we to be doing this, to be able to sit here and watch this. That's what we feel. Well, have a great game on Sunday. Bengals, Chiefs, 3 o'clock. Everyone will be watching. I I appreciate you doing this two weeks in a row. It's very, very nice of you. You don't have to do that. And uh, we'll look for a blue tie on Sunday. Royal blue. That's the way to go. Royal Navy. Jimmy. Yeah. Good good call, Jimmy. Don't forget, we got a little golf coming up, too. Oh, that's right. You're doing the golf? I'm Friday, be, Saturday, right? You know, calling beautiful Tory Pines and dropping my voice back and look at these seascapes of Southern California, bathing in sunshine as I'm somewhere, you know, inside Arrowhead Stadium, the site of the AFC Championship. That'll be Friday and Saturday. We've got a tremendous field. It's going to be an exciting weekend. And uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Take it easy. Have a good day. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, joining me now as we continue the marathon SI Media podcast. It's actually like our fourth segment, but we have to bring in Salicata from WFAN, SNY TV in New York for our weekly train of thoughts segments. Sal, how are you? Great. How are you? Much better after those that this round of games as opposed to the wild card round. 
you were very unhappy after the wild card weekend. Now you couldn't get anything better than divisional weekend. So I'm sure you're much, much happier now. Yeah. Well, it was just, I mean, obviously you're talking about to the next level of competitive games. So compared to the blowouts that we saw wild card round, it was great to have exciting games where the unexpected happened. And I would assume that whoever cleaned up on betting the favorites the week prior during wild card round probably took it on the chin this particular week. If you're watching on YouTube, Sal's dogmatics just walked into the room in the background. Yeah, I don't know so. what his deal is. Right? <laughs> um, he Mets loves fan, you, you know. <laughs> no, not, yeah, Maddox, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he loves Met, you. you Mets know. fan with a dog named Maddox. Go figure my, that one. My other dog was named McGriff, who, I by know. the way, should be in the Hall of Fame. Anyway. Um, let's go forward. Chiefs minus seven, total 54 and a half. Do you have an early thought on what you're going to play in that game? I, I hate to say I'm going to bet something and then not follow through because I do think certain people, not that anybody on the podcast, okay. like, oh, I can't wait to hear what Sal says, but I don't want to. Yeah. Uh, but right now, my early inclination would be to play the Bengals, whether that is with the points, with the money line. I just, it is very difficult to get back to a third straight Super Bowl. And I know the Chiefs look unbeatable. Matter of fact, they looked unbeatable in that regular season game, whenever it was a few weeks back. Yeah. And the Bengals, midway through that game, came back and beat them. So I was, I'm was, i watching that game thinking, geez, the Chiefs look like the old Chiefs again. They look unstoppable. Then Cincinnati got them. So I'm leaning right now Bengals plus seven. I think that line will go. I think by Sunday when that game is played, you might get eight on that, which will be nice. So wait it out. I, I usually – do you ever jump on the lines early? I usually wait. It depends. If it's like, you know, if I like a team minus two and a half or two, then, yeah, I will. Because um, you're afraid it goes up to three. Yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, I would wait on this one. I think the line's going to go up, not down. I think okay. you'll get Chiefs money coming in. And then Rams minus three and a half against the Niners, and the total there is 46. Yeah, it's a very tough call. I, I like the Rams a lot last week. Uh, I, I'd probably go with the Rams again. I don't know about what the, the point spread there, so I'd have to figure out. I hate laying three and a half. I have not really given that much thought other than I have a hard time. And I was on the Niners before the postseason, but then I get off of it. Can they realistically go with Garoppolo? I have a hard time believing Garoppolo as, as well as they played in other areas. And I like Shanahan a lot. I have a hard time believing Garoppolo is going to get them back to another Super Bowl, especially over a Rams team who was just absolutely loaded, almost choked it away, but they're still loaded. So I, I probably think the Rams are going to end up in the Super Bowl. Whether I would lay the three and a half or not, that's a different story. Yeah, see, I thought the Niners would really get spanked last week. I thought, you know, you'd heard about Garoppolo had a hand injury, then he had a shoulder injury, and then it was supposed to be zero degrees. So I figured all those things combined that the Niners would get spanked. Then I mentioned this to Buck, you know, that Mercedes Lewis fumble in the first quarter. If he doesn't fumble there, they're Packers go in, it's 14 nothing, And Who it looked like they were going to be unstoppable from yeah. the get-go. You're right. And the Niners did win the game because of special teams, basically. Um, but for some reason, I like San Francisco. And, the, you know, I had the other thing we talked about with Buck is that the Rams have no home field advantage. The, he, he said when they did the game in, in the last week of the regular season, it was like 50% Niners fans in there. Hmm. So, you know, in the playoffs where, you, you know, you like home field, um, even though it's shown in the playoffs, maybe it doesn't matter as much. I think when you get this deep in it, it helped. You know, I think it helped the Chiefs, obviously. Um, I uh, 
I like getting three and a half there with the Niners. Right. I think you might see. I think the Rams are going to win, but I would probably, if I had to bet, I'd probably, I know it sounds nuts. I'd probably, I felt the same way about the Packers last week. I thought I would take the Niners plus the points, but Green Bay was going to win the game outright. I probably feel the same way where I think the Rams win a close game, but the Niners probably cover that spread. So we'll see. And you know, another reason why I think the Rams are going, because I, the last thing in the world that I want to deal with for two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl is Odell Beckham Jr. talk. And that's exactly what we're setting up for. It's going to be Odell for two well, I was, weeks. I was, I was going to say, why would there be a lot of, but you're, you're focused in, in, in New York. So in New York, you may get a lot of, I mean, nationally, I don't think that's a storyline at all. It might be. I mean, uh, you know, I just know that he is such a lightning rod, specifically in New York, where you're already seeing one way or another people rooting for him to get a ring, people rooting against him. It comes back up. Should the Giants have traded him? Whatever. But I just the attention that he gets, it drives me up a wall. Although betting on the Rams last week, I was rooting for him. But I, yeah, I don't he didn't do much. Li- he didn't do much last week. Yeah. In that game. I, yeah I, I don't want to do two weeks of him. Yeah, I think that's a New York thing more than a national. I think the national story will be, you know, Stafford trying to get a Super Bowl after, you know, struggling all those years um, in Detroit, but we'll see. And then if you if you have Rams Chiefs, um, I mean, I'm sorry, Niners Chiefs, that's a rematch, obviously, so that'll be right, a right. big, big storyline. You there. like the Chiefs and you like them big or no? I no, um, I, you know, I would probably take the Bengals because of the points. Um, I I. You know, I think seven is a lot in a playoff game. So I would probably take the point. I, I would take the points in both games, probably. Interesting. Okay. I like I'll that. see what happens on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, right. you, you haven't you haven't dipped into any of the new New York legalized gambling sites yet? Still, no, and I will not clean? because I've made it past the initial, you know, uh Surge. temptation. So once I got through, I'm I'm not doing it. Matter of fact, I got three games to go here, and then I might be trying to hang it up to a certain extent. I don't think you could ever, especially doing what we do and, you know, loving football the way that I do, I don't think you could ever totally not in some way, shape, or form pick games or bet on games. But my way of doing it, I think I got three games left and I need to reevaluate. But, no, I'm not signing up for any of those sites. That is such a gambler thing to say right there. Three games. I mean, I have to say, though, I've, I mean, this is, I mean, I've probably... God, how long has it been? I mean, it's probably been five, six, seven, eight years. More than five. Probably something like seven, eight years now where I mean I just bet NFL in college. I'm done. Right. If if the Super Bowl is Sunday, I'm done. I don't even like betting the Super Bowl really. I just do a bunch of like dumb props for fun. I don't really get it's all those are all funny, silly bets just for interest. But once the Super Bowl ends, I'm done till college football starts, basically. Yeah. I've gotten sucked back in over the years. I mean, a long time ago, I remember you even saying, what are you doing betting the NBA? And I learned my lesson there, and I stay away from that pretty much at all costs. And with baseball, I love baseball, and sometimes it can be fun to bet, but I usually get beat up, especially in the postseason. So it's just, I like doing it for, you know, you have action, you have you bet on the series or whatever it may be. It's That's what we do, but it's difficult. I love I don't know why, but I love betting baseball and it's a problem. That's why I had to stop. Baseball is a problem for me. I, yeah. You know, it's every day. It's, you know, hundred. there's 20 games a day the whole summer. Love betting over, love betting and under. And, and But yeah, I had to stop betting baseball. I like the way you told me about, too, the team totals is probably the thing that I would do most in baseball because the other things, I hate taking big favorites, but a, a lot of times... That's what wins. And I'm not laying the run and a half. I don't do that because I don't want to get burnt 
by the team that I like to win the game only right. won by a run. That's to me, I can't do that. So it, baseball, the odds make it very difficult to play right. the right way. You're basically set up to lose from the get-go. I mean, even right. if it's a minus 150 favorite, you're yeah. up against it. It's And, it, you know, the mind of a gambler is very bizarre. Like if it's baseball and let's say, you know, Clayton Kershaw or Max Scherzer is pitching and they're minus 220, I would bet it no problem. But I would never, ever bet like an NFL money line minus 220. <laughs> right you know like it's all right. the same yeah so um a couple of music things to wrap up because we'll be quick here this is a long one i'm just mm -hmm. curious have you ever heard of damon albarn no as a matter of fact i saw the uh, i mean look i barely heard of okay. taylor swift i saw your tweet and i was thinking the same thing where i saw Ta somehow somebody in my timeline must have retweeted taylor swift's tweet and then i was i thought initially when she said it that guy was a writer I thought he wrote the article for the oh, LA Times or whatever. Right, right. And I was like, right, oh, so she's he, a fan of his work and this guy's ripping her. And then I realized that I guess he's some musician. Right. Yeah. I, you know, her tweet get, kept getting retweeted into my timeline. So I'm like, okay, let me see what's going on here. And I click it and I'm like, why is now I, I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan at all. I, mm. I not, and I'm not saying that to be like cool. I like all kinds of pop music. I mean, I, I was in a, pop that's what i listen to uh, if you go to like my most listened to artists over the last two years it's probably sean mendez so like i'm not doing this from like a critical right. standpoint i'm not a fan of her music at all but what struck me is like if you're taylor swift like you're in an upper echelon you are on the a list you're in the top tier why are you ripping some guy that i've never heard of that that was what went through my head so i'm like let me you know so let me see who this person is and i see he's the lead singer of some band called blur which i had never heard of and gorillas which i had heard of but they were like in my head they were like a cartoon videos i don't know what was going on then i go on twitter and i ask about it and apparently like blur had one song i was supposed to know but i didn't know it at all so i'm old and out of touch and that's fine and i don't same care. never heard of that dude never heard of blur right. i do understand her fighting back though a little bit because it's somebody you know it's one of your peers who... yeah but that's not a peer for her like she like if that's well, she said um, she was a fan of his. And then he goes out there and says something inaccurate about her songwriting. I'd want to clear the air on that, too. So that's yeah, but no, you don't clear the air with people who are like 87 rungs below. Like this wasn't um, I don't know, like I don't even know current music to say, like, who's like a top whatever. But, if the, you know, this isn't like the Foo Fighters or Dave mm -hmm. Grohl. Like, it's not someone that like Taylor Swift, like this was beneath Taylor Swift. That's right. my point. Yeah. That's my point. But we go through this with you on Twitter all the time, you know. Like yeah, right. I don't think you're responding to people with three followers. And I'm like, don't do it. <laughs> I don't care. You're right. I shouldn't, but I do. And the other musical thing is I you're not you were not a big meatloaf guy, right? That's not your kind of music. Nah, I mean I knew the song um, you know, from ninety three or whatever, I could do any I would do anything mm -hmm. for love. That was obviously yeah. a popular song, like in my wheelhouse when I was watching MTV. My thing from Meatloaf is his songs go on forever. They're like oh, books, yeah. dude. I yeah. mean they're like five minute long. We, I went to a bar once in the city with my friends. This was a long time ago. And I played one of his songs. I think it was two out of three ain't bad. I think okay. that was the song, but I played on the jukebox. And when it came on, like people started booing in the bar. Like I got booed in the bar. It was so yeah. great and awful at the same time. And but you're yeah, a big hey, meatloaf guy? I mean, love, no yes, yeah. huge. Well, that out, you're bad out of hell. And then obviously I would do anything for love, but the bad out of hell album is just filled with phenomenal songs. So I was, I was, uh, 
I mean, and he's in my rotation. Like who I, you know, I listened to him wow. regularly. So I was, uh, I was, bummed. and if you've never seen it, you may have seen it, but if you're listening to the pod and you've never seen it, go to YouTube and just go to YouTube into the search bar and just put meatloaf, Gary Busey, celebrity apprentice. If oh, you've never I seen remember. it, I think I remember now that he was on there. Yeah. If you've never seen show. it, Meatloaf, Gary Busey, Celebrity Apprentice. Go on YouTube. First, finish listening to the pod. Subscribe. Leave a review on Apple. And then go onto YouTube and just and look for that. That's all I have to say. I got to check that out. Yeah. All right. That's it for this week. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Now, next week is one of those. You know, next week is a weird week. You get no football with that week off. I've always, one of the things I've hated in sports my entire life with the burning, you ask me the things I hate in sports top three for me is the week off between the title games and the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's terrible. They've always had that in place because I feel like I remember one year where they didn't. They didn't one year because of scheduling issues. I don't remember if it was, I don't know, September 11th or oh, something else or maybe, something okay. with maybe, I, you know, there was something that caused it one year to not have it. But, you know, they say they have to do it because of the travel. And you know the hotels. Right. And I, get, and I get it, I but you're right. It's just, it. an, it's just an awful, awful week. Just one of many reasons why the Super Bowl is not really like a real game. And agreed. And I always said, from the fans' perspective, you know, it's great to make the playoffs for the wild card weekend. Divisional round is where it gets real. You have the right to play for the right to play for the Super Bowl. Then obviously, Championship Sunday, the Final Four. You you win. You're going to the Super Bowl. But then after that, it's like. I, I know it doesn't sound right because obviously the ultimate goal is winning the Super Bowl, but I'm with you. The Super Bowl to me is always the least of the, the run getting to the Super Bowl. Oh, I know. What, will you watch the Royal Rumble on Saturday? Um, it's on Saturday, question. not Sunday, which is I think, it's a, I think it's a brilliant move by the WWE. They put it on Saturday. They're not going against the football. There's no no football. There's no nothing on Saturday. I think they're doing it to not go against football. And I, they had WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday. They, they've experimented with Saturdays um, with some of the bigger pay-per-views, just a new kind of thing. You know, so people don't have to stay up late, I guess, on Sunday. And which I feel like, you know, a lot of people have these parties, viewing parties, whatever. So it does make more sense yeah. on a Saturday. I don't. I haven't watched wrestling in probably two, three years. I am still always intrigued by the Royal Rumble. I just think it's right. an interesting show. So I might check it out, although I canceled Peacock. So that's another story. You canceled um, Peacock? Yeah, I'm just trying to trim the fat here. But I was like, oh, crap. The Royal Rumble's coming mm -hmm. up. I usually like to watch that. So we'll see. Yeah. All right. I know I wanted it. I've been. I, there's, I want to trim some of the streaming services, but I, there's, dude, it never ends. That's the thing. It's a, um, but, so I mean, I, I don't know where to cut. I mean, I like Peacock, whatever, but I can do. I don't need it. I haven't watched current stuff in a while with that. So um, I, I don't know. The I one just, I don't have is Paramount Plus, and then I wanted to watch the Real World Reunion. And of course, that's the one I don't have. Agreed. So. They have the. They've been um, airing like the real world road rule challenges, right? Right. Which I would definitely. Well, those are watch. on MTV, I think. I thought that they were on Paramount Plus. Well, maybe, uh, maybe. I because know I would I watch them if they were. I used to love those shows, but now that they're on Paramount Plus, and there's a lot of good stuff on Paramount Plus, it right. seems like. But it's just then when will when will it end? Then you have that. You have HBO and Showtime and and Hulu and ESPN Plus and Netflix and Peacock. I mean, it's just you know, Apple ends. TV. It's it's uh, it's endless, endless, and it's only going to get worse. And it seems like five bucks a month or seven bucks a month. At the end of it, you're talking over a hundred dollars a month for all these. Will, on top will, of Optimum, it will only cable. get worse. Yeah, it I know. Only get worse. 
Yeah, that's right, why we're ending it now. We're ending the segment on a negative. Yeah, that's all. All right, be enjoy depressed. the weekend. That's the positive. Enjoy championships. Last last big weekend of football. That's right. Enjoy it. All right, we'll see you next week, Sal. See you later. Take it easy. All right, my thanks to Roman Reigns. Joe Buck, Jim Nance for coming on a second week in a row, and Sal Akata for Train of Thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you are a first-time listener to the pod, give it a subscription. Hit the subscribe button. And uh, if you can rate and review the SI Media Podcast on Apple, that helps tremendously. And uh, a lot of good interviews there in the archives. Check them out. And uh, we'll see you next week right here on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. Take care. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.